0: Hello, welcome to the fourth episode of Two for One podcast brought to you by Anchor and In the Lane, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast. Sean, what does Nikola Jokic and The Undertaker have in common? I am not sure about that. Both he and Dwayne Deadman are runaway candidates for the MVP trophy. Oh, you mean the dead man? That very one. Our own Undertaker, through ten games, currently has a higher win share per thirty-six than the unanimous MVP.
1: The only thing more shocking than that is that we have made it a full month with four episodes. And with that, I am your host, Twisted Tapioca, and I am Doctor Struess. And we're gonna look at the last week of heat basketball to start off this. We had a three and O week, so the best week in the history of our podcast. I feel like we're Woo-hoo. part of that. Uh, we had wins. At, actually, no, I'm sorry, at home against the Spurs, we won. Then we went on the road. We beat the Cavs in Cleveland. And on the second night of the back-to-back last night, we beat the Charlotte Hornets for a 3-0 and week. So, Tony, what do you think? What did you think about the last week?
0: So, the, the Charlotte win is my favorite. I just get in there, take care of business, never really let them in. It felt great. But everything comes back to the joke that we just made, the dominance of Dwayne Deadman. I want to show you one quick stat. So there's a three-man lineup that this team plays with Deadmond Gorin, and Nunn. That is currently, per 100 possessions, they're garnering six more attempts at the line. Their effective field goal rating is increased one whole point, and they're outscoring opponents by 37 points. When those three guys are on the court, Miami is playing a brand of winning basketball and the centerpiece to me is Dwayne Dedman. That guy's been amazing. I mean, absolutely elite in his role. And I love having him here. Sean, you look at last week, what are some things that pop out to you? Yeah. I mean, just to your point, you think about
1: the drop-off that we had when we went to the bench, you just watched the clock and you patiently waited for the moment that Jimmy or Bam was going to come back in. And now You know, not that you feel like, oh, darn, Bam's Bam's coming back in. But there's almost a, oh, man, Devin was rolling. Like, don't take him out yet. Uh, So it's great. You know, and last night against the Hornets, you saw the bench build a lead without Jimmy. We never had to put him back in the game. And and that never would have happened weeks ago. We found a way to create a bench. And we thought we had depth going into the season. And – it, it really never existed because of injuries and because of sickness and these different things that have happened. And now it's almost Birdman esque If you remember that run when Birdman signed back in the big three and we got hot and, and we're not at that level, but his instant impact on our team, it's just a spark. And we have played better since the moment that he started gaining significant minutes.
0: I think one thing he said that I've loved during the Cavs win and the Charlotte win, we got to put people on the bench and just let our guy, let our young guys run. And when you're doing that, you're putting teams away, you're winning games in the fourth quarter the way they're supposed to be won. It just makes you feel so much better as a fan, knowing you don't have to go to two overtimes and lose on some rickety call or us having dead legs.
1: Yeah, and you look over the past two weeks, we're 6-2. and two. We have the third best offensive rating in the league, almost 120 points per 100 possessions. We have the fourth best defensive rating in the league, right around 110 points per 100 possessions. And that roughly 10-point differential is third best in the league. We are playing at a level of one of the top three, four, five teams in the league right now.
0: Dead VP. Dead (laughs) VP.
1: It's either him or Jokic. I mean, I think, Games played, you can't, you can't hold it against him that he's been working side jobs for the first six months of the season. I mean, he, he was repairing our infrastructure. I mean, he's he's highly, it looks great. It looks great. (laughs) (laughs) He's a man of the people. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think that we, we've played some weaker opponents. But those are weaker opponents that we might have lost to and played poorly to earlier. And now we're yes. just rolling. We're we're playing the, our best basketball at the right time, and we're starting to get healthy. We're not there yet, but we're trending in that direction. Thanks to everybody who sent in their questions for this week. Uh, you can submit your questions by DMing Tony at Twisted Tapioca or myself at Philly Heat MBA. And our first question actually comes from two people that are both part of the Ron Rothstein pool party group chat. One is from heat better. And the other is from Karmic bead, a longtime listener of the show. And they ask, we know that Eric Spolstra likes to go with a nine man rotation during the playoffs. Who do you guys think gets pushed out of the rotation? And what will that rotation look like?
0: I'll let you guys in behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, Me and Sean went back and forth on this. And I think we both kind of come to a conclusion that, We might go 10 man. And if we do go 10 man, there's no problems. You're going to have Tyler still playing and you're going to have none still playing a lot of minutes. But if we go nine, Sean, you're feeling the hot hand approach with Tyler or Goron.
1: Yeah. I just don't see who off the bench of the five guys we mentioned. And that would be Goron, Victor, Tyler, Dwayne Edmund, and Iggy, how you cut any of those guys out of your rotation. And even if, you know, if Kendrick does get bumped out of the starting lineup, you're not bumping him out of the rotation either. So you have such a solid 10 if all those guys come back from injury that I, I would have to imagine that between Goron, Tyler, and Kendrick, you're looking at a hot hand approach. Who has the hot hand? And I think that's hard to play when you're a player, not knowing consistently when you're going to get minutes. You know, the rotation that we sort of know that that Spo kind of irons out during the playoffs. When you're not knowing when you're going to go in, if you're going to go in, that's difficult. But I don't know how else he does it. What do you think?
0: Uh, it's just what's going to have to happen. I mean, players, this is their job. They get paid a lot of money to be adaptive and to be quick on their feet. And unfortunately for us, we're not in a position where we can just assume that Goran is going to be his full powers every night. When he's there, we need him on the court. Um, And when he's not, we have a young spry rookie who can, or, well, second-year player, who can get into his bag a little bit. And uh, Tyler can give you efficiency sometimes, and he can give you scoring off the bench. But neither one of those guys make me feel really great and want me to say, yeah, that's our nine-man rotation. I think we're playing hot hand here too.
1: You know, the only thing that worries me is – Kendrick has shown resilience to go from starting to the bench. Goran has shown he's willing to accept a bench role. Tyler has shown somewhat in a, in a weird way he's not really accepting it, but he went to the bench. Will Victor do that? Should he? But should he? Even, even if he will? Um, you know, should he go to the bench or should he start? That's the, that's the tough question, and I think Kendrick's earned those minutes. I know we've talked about this before. I, I don't think that you can start Victor. He just has to accept Whoa. it. Okay, I, I know he brings a different level of defense. And unfortunately, I, I start I'm starting to think that Kendrick has shown and this lineup has shown to play so well together that disrupting it that much. I don't like that. I just it scares me to to move too many pieces too
0: late in the season. This is our first real disagreeance. I'm completely on the other side. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't, first of all, I don't trust this team to be consistent with much of anything, even now, like when we're doing well and it looks sustainable and it looks repeatable. Um, I think that our best chance at winning is putting a bunch of players with length and size on the court at the same time that can run the ball in transition and can play defense uh, and get to the line. So I'm still starting Victor. If Victor's healthy, I'm playing that man. Saying that, if they have found consistency, and I think the coaching staff will know this better than anybody if they found consistency with a the lineup, then I will sit back and eat crow, keep playing these guys. And that's one thing Spo has done all year, which feels like he will take something away from the team when it's starting to roll and things are starting to look nice. And uh, apparently I am the voice that in his head that is making him do that because I'm saying play Victor, play Victor. And while we disagree, I will agree that
1: if you have Victor that is showing in practice behind the scenes, he's ready to roll. He's a better player than Kendrick. I don't think, I don't think there's that much argument with that. And you start your best player. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. I just worry of moving too many pieces around. I'm not so much worried about Kendrick going to the bench and still being effective. It's, it's a tough one, man. And I just don't like tinkering with things so late or in the middle of a series. I think that's when it gets really sticky. So I would want to avoid that as much as possible.
0: Well, they talked about uh, on this week's inside the paint with iron, Ethan, how Victor has plantator sublaction. I apologize if I said that wrong, and I'm sure you'll correct me when you get into it. But just as our resident doctor, Dr. Struz, what should we expect from Victor? Like what when realistically can we see him come back?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I did a little bit of uh, medical research, you know, as a doctor here on Twitter. So I did go talk to some of the experts in the field like Dos Minutos and other Twitter experts in the medical field uh, around heat Twitter. And so just a little history of the injury. He had that ruptured quad tendon. Uh, back years ago with indiana and essentially that quad tendon is what it attaches your quad muscle to your shin and so as that tendon passes over essentially your kneecap it, it helps stabilize it's not the only thing that does that but it helps stabilize your kneecap if he had a dislocation of his patella which is his kneecap he would be out he would have surgery there, we wouldn't be having this discussion i don't think there would be behind the scenes, secret things. There's really nothing he can do with a dislocated kneecap at this point. And what Ira said is a patellar subluxation, okay? Long, big big word, big vocab word for our uh, podcast episode. And really what that's, it's pain and discomfort. It's not something that, I mean, he could re-injure it, but it's something that he needs to take time off, which he has been doing. And in the short term, what he can do is wear a brace to really uh, stabilize that area and just try to strengthen the muscles around it to add more stability. So long-term, he may need surgery, but it's something that if he can play through the pain and we can find a way to you know brace it up, stabilize it so he can play, I think he can get back out there.
0: So another thing that Heat Twitter has been obsessing over lately is Tyler Hero, and I kind of want to address this question uh, from Danny, who belongs to Miami Heat UK. Has the Heat fan base and Heat Twitter fallen out of love with Tyler Hero? I'm going to explain this to you. They did, but it's their fault, and they're all idiots. The reason that draft picks will always have more value to other front offices is the potential of what they could be. A first-round draft pick, a lottery pick, could be LeBron James. could be Michael Jordan. Okay, it could be Malik Monk when he plays the Heat. It could be anything that is tantalizing. The idea of potential and possibility is one of the most tantalizing things ever. And it's not real. It's not who the player is. It's not who they've ever been. It's not who they've shown you that they are. Tyler Hero, since he's gotten to this team, a decent finisher, he gets in a line Okay, he shoots pretty good. And he's he's he can move maneuver himself into the mid range. That's always what he's been. Some nights he does it better than others, but that's it. That's who he is. And now we're asking him to be the twenty point scorer a game. We want him to be our third best player. Some of that's on the heat and their marketing department and the snarl on the t shirt. Some of that's on the fan base. But when you ask me, has the Heat fan base fallen out of love with Tyler Hero? Yes, but it's not Tyler Hero's fault. It's the fans' fault.
1: You know, and to to draw a parallel to that, right now, Kendrick Nunn is the hot item, right? Everybody loves him. He's playing great. He's in the starting lineup. Can't take him out of the starting lineup. It was not much more than 10, 11 months ago that we were talking about in the bubble that he was unplayable. And at different parts of the season, he was unplayable. And we wanted them out. We were going to trade him for anything. Remember Kelly, none in a second. For anything in the league, we were going to take it. So you have to remember, and this is why we're not part of the front office, and this is why we're not coaching in the NBA. Because our emotions are fans, and we're not you know, front office people. Like you said, Tyler's 21 years old. He's growing as a player. He's growing as a person off the court. And so we have to let him grow. We have to be patient in that aspect. Let him be a professional. So I agree 100%.
0: Well, just like when you score a point against Jordan, the best thing to do is just retire because it's not going to get any better than that. So we're going to go ahead and look forward to the final seven games of the season, Sean. Dallas, Minnesota, Boston twice, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. And to finish off the season, limping into their next terrible offseason, a back-to-back with Detroit. When you look at that slate, you look at that lineup, is this the most hopeful you've been for a stretch of seven games before?
1: Yeah, they're all winnable games. Uh, Tuesday night, Dallas, they have some injuries with Chris Stapp, Prazingis, and Maxi Kleber. So that could be an easier game than maybe we thought. Minnesota is a revenge game. They embarrassed us just about two <laughs> weeks ago. It's sad that we have to get excited. It's for so that.
0: sad. Yeah.
1: Boston twice are, are extremely, extremely, extremely. Those are like playoff games. You have to, at the minimum, you need to get a split there. You, there's going to be some news about Jalen Brown. Maybe by the time this podcast publishes, we'll know his status. And then Philly and Milwaukee, and we talked before the show, and, and my lean is, those teams because they're going to have a week off due to the play in tournament. I don't know if they're going to rest. There, that's been a lot of talk where uh, those teams will probably rest players by that point in the season. I don't know if that's going to happen. And obviously like you said Detroit they'll be limping in getting ready for the draft and all other things. So that should be a winnable game. So you know, will we go 7 and 0? Probably not, but gosh, we we have to go 6 and 1, 5 and 2, something like that over that stretch.
0: Yeah, to your point about Philly and Milwaukee, this is also team's last uh, chance to get good tape on us. I I mean, these are squads we could be matching up in the playoffs. They understand that. We understand that. They're probably going to play their starters, if not for a majority of the game, for a good chunk of it, just so they can get some good film, some good tape about how they're going to game plan for us if they match up. And, you know,
1: with this seven-game stretch, it's three games this week, four games next week. We may have Tyler and Victor back. That would obviously be a boost at some point during those seven games. And you know, depending on how we do, we're obviously in a tight stretch right now with New York and Atlanta and Boston for that four, five, six. We probably won't get lower than seventh. I wouldn't think at this point. We built sort no. of a cushion, yeah, over Charlotte at eight. So, where do you think we finish? You know, we've, we've talked about this sort of every week. You know, we kind of projecting, will we be in the play-in? Will we be at the four or five? Where do you think we get to?
0: Yeah, and I never thought it would ever get bad enough to get to the play-in. As, as, as doubtful as I was at this team, I I still think that basketball at the highest level is played with the best players on the court. And you win through those guys. And Jimmy and Bam are the two best players in the court night in, night out. So I always was looking at sixth seed. I got to be honest now, uh, the cocky heat phantomy's is coming out, man. I think it's heat and five heat and five. I like the fifth seed for us. Uh, I also like that matchup for us. For me, I would love to be there. That four or five seed is really obtainable, especially if we can win out, that'd be a dream. So that's kind of where my hopes are. That's also where my head is at. I think we're shooting for that fifth seed.
1: And you're thinking as if we were the fifth seed, you think four would be New York or Boston or Atlanta.
0: I'm thinking it's New York or Boston. And I like both of those matchups early. Um, you're going to know who you are. So we're going to get to play a team that's going to challenge us. And we're going to figure out what 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 we've got. And we're going to figure it out early while avoiding the play in. So we get a week of rest. Um, we get our guys back. And then we play a real opponent. And, and I like it. I would love for it to be New York because that's the most winnable matchup I, I think we have. They they frighten me, they scare me, and that's my joke is that New York is like the one team that does us better than us this year. Um, but if we can match up with them f- four or five, that's a dream.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that they can score enough points. I, I've said this probably almost every episode for a month that I would prefer to play New York. And I know they're a good team and they're great defensively, but that would be the team I would take. And, you know, if Jalen Brown is out for a significant amount of time or out the rest of the season, then I would switch that to Boston. Atlanta, even though they're inexperienced, I just think they have so many weapons. They're so explosive that they they scare me a little bit more, even though they don't have the experience. But I think we agree on the uh, you know, sort of the final seven games, the track that we're expecting, three games this week, and then we'll be back next week to talk about the four final games over that last week and hopefully good news about some of our injured players coming back. Uh, so as we close things up this week, we want to thank our sponsor, Polo Tropical. For a certain section of our audience, that means tropical chicken. And the only thing hotter than chicken on the grill right now is the Miami Heat. It's the pregame meal choice of Dwayne Deadman, who's often seen at the Southwest 8th Street location, enjoying citrus marinated chicken with delicious sides of black beans and rice. Polo Tropical, proud sponsor of the Miami Heat and the In the Lane podcast. Tony, where can we find this week's podcast?
0: I am concerned that we are going to get copyright law suited, but... As always, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms and by following us at Twisted Tapioca or at Philly Heat NBA on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, submit your questions for next week's show. Thanks for tuning in, guys.